From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, and here again is your host at the Mann Center for the Performing Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It is great to be back here in Philadelphia, the city where American liberty was born 243 years ago next week. And can I say, American liberty, you look great. (laughs) Have you had some work done? Later on, we're going to be talking to Jennifer Weiner, proud Philly resident and best-selling novelist. But first, we want to hear your story. The number to call is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Karen Jones, calling from the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, how are things in Charlotte? They are rainy right now, but we will take it because it's a break from the heat. What do you do there? I am a music therapist turned mental health counseling grad student. So you're one of the people who uses music to help people feel better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm asking for a nation, what song would make us all feel better? Mm. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I think This Land is Your Land is a great one. All right, we'll go with that. Thank you. Good message. Well, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning. It's Faith Saley. Hey, Karen. Next, it's the host of the public radio show Live Wire, as well as the daily podcast TBTL, which will be at the Thing Festival in Port Townsend, Washington. On August 24th, it's Luke Burbank. Hey, Karen. And the comedian you can see August 16th in Hyannis, Massachusetts, at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. She's co-host of the podcast Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, Karen. So, Perrin, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill? This time, Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read for you three quotations from this week's news. Your job, identify correctly two of them. Do that, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show, you might choose in your voicemail. You ready to play? I sure am. All right. Your first quote comes from Democratic presidential hopeful Kirsten Gillibrand. Biden, you suck. That was reportedly Kirsten Gillibrand practicing for what big event that happened both Wednesday and (laughs) Thursday evenings this week? The Democratic candidate debate. Exactly right. The first Democratic debates were held this week in Miami. There were so many candidates, they had to do it in two groups over two nights. Many of the candidates did not like that they got split up, but not Joe Biden. He's cool with segregation. One, one of the crazy things was how many people were there that you did not know. John Hickenlooper, this is true, he does not which, have... Which one was that? I know, well... He, <laughs> he was the white guy. Yeah, he was oh, the middle-aged right. white guy. John Hickenlooper, who does not have much name recognition, despite the fact that his name is John Hickenlooper, <laughs> he was actually stopped, this is true, on his way into the venue by somebody asking if he had credentials, and he responded, quote, uh, I'm a candidate? Which, when you think about it, should be the campaign slogan for like five of these guys. John Delaney, 2020, uh, I'm a candidate. (laughs) 
How much minutes did they estimate that each person got to talk? Uh, not very many. Well, yeah, if, you were, if you were a man, you got to talk two minutes more than any of the women. Is that really? true? Yeah, they, well, they, inter they did the breakdown. They, well, because the, the, the dudes are ready to interrupt. And you know, one guy who was really... Like just, Peter just did. Exactly. <laughs> well, oh, by the way, speaking of which, now that you mentioned it, it is time to declare okay, my gracias. candidacy for the president of the United States. <laughs> During the Wednesday event, uh, the NBC audio failed, and we had about 30 seconds of none of them speaking, and now the leading candidate for the Democratic nomination is blessed silence. <laughs> but when it wasn't silent, there was a lot of Spanish. There really was. That, did that take you by surprise? I was surprised. It was weird because I'm from Washington State, and Jay Inslee is the governor there, and his whole thing is climate change, which is like the most extant threat to anything that happens on this planet and yet he got like kind of no love after the debate but everyone broke into applause when like Beto O'Rourke says yo quiero Taco Bell <laughs> I was like it's a much more important thing that we are able to live on planet earth for more than like 20 years but he gets no traction and don't you think dinosaurs had debates like just before really <laughs> I don't, just, I don't think that asteroid approaching yeah. is a yeah. problem. Yeah. It's, it's not a man-made, it's not a dinosaur-made yeah. problem. I know. Right. Interestingly yeah. enough, Joe Biden was also in those debates. <laughs> 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 All right, Perrin, it is time. Perrin, are you still there? I am. That's great. Wait am, a minute. I'm both glad I, and relieved. I, so wait, your name is Perrin? Yes. Karen. Oh, well, I called you Karen. I called you Karen, but too. You know why I called you Karen? I, because... Parent? <laughs> I, it never occurred to me that parent was your name. How did you get that name? Did they just, w did, <laughs> was something transposed incorrectly on the birth record? I, I believe, no. I believe your name is Perrin. That's what I heard. Yes. Perrin, not parent. Oh, I thought it was parent, and I thought, man, you're so lucky it wasn't gender or weight. I <laughs> <laughs> It's just something, somebody misread that birth record. <laughs> Baron, here's your next quote. It's about a phenomena happening mainly at schools around the country. We only changed things that had Robert E. and kept the rest. That was a spokesman for a Texas school, one of many schools around the country that no longer want to be named for whom? Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee, exactly. Many schools around the country, not just in the South, were named to honor the Confederate general and imagine their shock when they discovered what Confederate means. <laughs> they thought he was just somebody's close friend, you know. The problem is it's really hard and expensive to change a name, you, you know, to take down all the signs and pictures and reprint the letterhead to say RuPaul Regional High School. <laughs> so according to the Wall Street Journal, many of these schools are being sneaky. They will still be called the Lee School, but it's a different Lee. Austin, Texas's Lee Elementary School is now named not for the general, but for Russell Lee, a photographer from there. Hmm. Lee High School in Virginia is now Lee Harvey Oswald High School. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, listen, this is an easy one. Bruce Lee High. I mean, if I was a kid and there was like Grover Cleveland or Bruce Lee High, I don't care what the science program is like. I'm going to Bruce Lee High. That's right. the most badass name for a high school of all time. Yeah. And of course, the Sarah Lee Cafeteria. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Perrin, here's your last quote. 
I hate the heat, the humidity, and the mosquitoes. That was somebody on Twitter commenting on an article in the Washington Post, breaking the news that it turns out what doesn't make everyone happy? Summertime? Summertime, yeah. Having brought down, thank you, very good. Having brought down Nixon, the Washington Post is now determined to destroy enjoyment. This week they published an extensive takedown of summer. What is wrong with these people? How can you hate summer, a season when walking outside feels like walking into a bowl of soup? <laughs> well, how, how did they, I mean, was it just an opinion piece or was there research involved? Well, there was some research. They reached out and they talked to a lot of people who, who said basically we don't like summer and the reason Were they the people just standing in front of the air conditioner at the office? Probably. Like, oh, God. Yeah, who did they reach out to? How many people? I mean, how scientific? was a study that comes up with people don't like summer. That's absurd. Well, I don't know if they're saying, like, nobody likes summer. Maybe overrated. Yeah. This so is an interesting thing to think about, right? Because the expectations are high in the summer. You're supposed to make the, the most of it. You have so much daylight. And when I get in my old Navy PJs at 7 p.m., mm -hmm. I feel like a loser. I got to say one thing. Yes. Paul. In terms of the Washington Post railing against summer, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> what, we're gonna get rid of summer? We're gonna get rid of the whole damn earth soon. Yeah. What? If anything, we're getting rid we'll of winter. Of summer, yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill, how did Perrin do? She did great, three and oh. Congratulations, Perrin, well done. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations, birthday. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Faith, you know that feeling when you wake up and you have no idea where you are or how you got there? Well, a woman in Canada experienced that in real life when she woke up where? Uh, oh, wasn't she uh, stuck on a plane? Yes, she yeah. woke up oh, oh, in God. an empty airplane. She fell asleep. And when she woke up, she was still strapped in her seat. It was freezing cold in the pitch dark on this entirely empty plane parked on some edge of a runway somewhere. Was, and, the, and the crew just ignored gone. her? Everybody was gone. The plane was locked. It was empty. Wow. It was totally terrifying because the woman realized she'd never be this comfortable in a plane ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because her phone had a little bit of battery life. Yeah. So she FaceTimed her friend and said, I'm on an airplane still. Somewhere. And then the phone died and she couldn't charge it because the phone does not, the oh power doesn't gosh. work on the airplane oh if it's off. God. Right. Oh. So she went and opened the door of the plane, which was like 50 feet off the ground, and just sat there swinging her legs, trying to do SOS with a flashlight she found in the cockpit. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But first what she did was she decided to enjoy herself, and she went to the galley, and she poured herself a whole can of soda. Yeah. <laughs> she used all the armrests. Yeah. yeah. She would have used the emergency door, except she hadn't given a verbal yes, so she yeah. couldn't. I can certainly imagine that happening, falling asleep and waking up in the dark. Uh, on the airplane with no one there. The yeah. thing is, if I was in an airplane and I had to get off, absolutely I would like inflate that slide thing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, or put the seat back. <laughs> All the way. What does it go back, a quarter of an inch? Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
Coming up, we take to the streets to protest our own Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from MailChimp. So you want to grow your business? Now what? MailChimp's all-in-one marketing platform, that's what. It has all the marketing stuff you need all in one place so you can save time and money. And it's powered by a marketing CRM so you can collect, organize, and understand your audience data. All to help you market smarter and grow faster. Learn more at MailChimp.com. Drag has been around for a while. In the kabuki tradition in Japan, in minstrel shows, in vaudeville. But one TV show made it mainstream now. We break down drag's current renaissance. Check out NPR's It's Been a Minute now. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Paula Poundstone, Faith Saley, and Luke Burbank. And... Here again is your host, the man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Peter Segal. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is James, and I'm calling from Salem, Massachusetts. Hey, I know hey. Salem exceptionally well. What do you do there? Uh, I have, well, I guess technically four jobs now. So I do Uber, Lyft, I host Trivia Nights, and I am currently being employed by UPS. So I want to ask, do you like passengers who talk to you or the passengers who don't? It depends on the passenger, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Well, James, it's very nice to talk to you without having to pay for the privilege. It's a pleasure. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. What's the topic, Bill? The people united will still probably be defeated. (laughs) (laughs) A counter-protest isn't just what you do when Beto O'Rourke won't stop standing in your counter. It's a way to stand up for what you believe in in the face of the people who oppose you. This week, we heard about an unusual counter-protest. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the real one. You'll win our prize. The wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Oh, God. Yes, I'm so excited. All right. Let's hear first from Faith Saley. When Denmark's most motivated anti-vaxxers decided to march through the small city of Roskilde last week on their way to demonstrate in Copenhagen, they expected to meet some resistance, but they never expected what they found. Karen Sorensen organized the march along with her seven-year-old unvaccinated son, Axel. A dozen other families joined them, waving banners and chanting, my child, my choice. Young Axel proudly made up his own chant, no jabs, no scabs. But he stopped yelling when he tripped over the body, the body of a man covered in boils, what the medical community might call buboes. The man managed to moan, get out, get out while you can. Karen grabbed Axel and led her group away from the body and noticed how quiet it was. Roskilde seemed like a ghost town. Doors shuttered, the wall of a building spray-painted in blood-red letters, plague inside. The terrified anti-vaxxers ran out of town back the way they came to get vaccinated against the bubonic plague. The mayor of Roskilde, Elizabeth Nielsen, triumphantly yelled, cut! and the town's pro-vaccination denizens emerged to high-five the actors. 
A town presents some anti-vaxxers with the bubonic plague and scares them away. Your next story of somebody who doth protest the right amount comes from Luke Burbank. They say neo-Nazis are like ants. They're weird little creatures that can really ruin a summer afternoon. Okay, nobody says that. I just made that up. But I, I think it actually has some potential. Uh, anyway, the people of Ostrich, Germany know what I'm talking about. Why? Because last weekend they were faced with the problem of a bunch of neo-Nazis descending on their small town for a neo-Nazi music festival. The town decided to fight back against the festival. How? By starving the neo-Nazis of their primary source of food, beer. First, the police force got permission from a local court to seize almost all of the beer in town, 7,000 liters, before it fell into the wrong stomachs. That, though, still left 200 crates of beer for sale in the local grocery store. So the people of Ostrich stood up. They went to that local grocery store and they literally bought up all of the beer left in the town themselves. So the Nazis couldn't get it. The ultimate location of that beer is unknown. It now appears to be completely missing. When asked, the townspeople burped. <laughs> and the plan worked. Attendance at the Nazi festival was down by over 50% this year. Peter? <laughs> Neo-Nazis foiled when the town bought up all the beer so that they couldn't have any. Your last story of a productive picket comes from Paula Poundstone. The Lucky Moose Food Mart in Toronto, Ontario did not get lucky when they made the decision not to allow soy milk and nut milk to abide in the section reserved for cow-produced milk. The local vegan community responded with a pro-nut milk day of rage. There were posters screaming, don't let dairy cream nuts and holster your Holstein. Someone walking on two feet in a cow costume bearing a sign that simply says, how dare you? <laughs> so at first it was assumed the people who got off the old-timey truck with the hay on it were fellow vegans. They set up nut-milking demonstrations with people in overalls sitting on stools trying to squeeze liquid from almonds and soybeans into metal buckets. Others set up an enclosure, threw some nuts on the ground inside it, and yelled, come on, kids, it's a nut-milk petting zoo. <laughs> As it became clear these were not vegans, but dairy farmers, sick and tired of raising milk cows from calves only to see them put out of a job by some damn plant. Nut-milk doesn't even need refrigerated, said a man who called himself Old Nut Farmer McDonald, <laughs> who was actually an executive with a local dairy co-op named Andrew Ordover. Just put it on a shelf in the weird food section. <laughs> Peter? <laughs> so here are your choices. One of these was a counter-protest that was actually quite successful. Was it from Faith Saley how the people in a town in Europe managed to foil vaxxers by pretending they all had the bubonic plague and driving them out of town? Was it from Luke Burbank how a Nazi rally in Germany was foiled when all the townspeople who don't like Nazis bought up all the beer so the Nazis wouldn't have any? Or from Paula Poundstone how some dairy farmers turned vegan protesters' methods on their head in order to make a claim for milk? Which of these is the real story of a counter-protest this week? Um, I'm gonna go with Luke's story, I think. You go with Luke's story about the neo-Nazis who gave up in their rally because there was no beer to be had? It sounds like something crazy German people might do. It is sound, they are beer-oriented. Well, we spoke to somebody who actually covered the actual counter-protest. Here they are. 
some citizens decided to buy up all the beer in a local supermarket and to make it as difficult as possible for the people attending the Neonazi Rock Festival to get alcohol. That was Alex Sarovich. He's a journalist who covered the story of the beer protest for Der Spiegel Online News in Germany. Your congratulations, James. You got it right. Luke was telling the truth. He earns a point. You win our prize, the voice of anyone you might like on your voicemail. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and thanks so much. Thanks, James. Bye-bye. And now the game where we ask interesting people about things they're simply not interested in. It's called Not My Job. In 2001, Jennifer Weiner published a novel called Good in Bed about a Jewish journalist struggling to balance career and a personal life in Philadelphia. Despite its science fiction-like premise, <laughs> it became a bestseller, as has many of her other novels, meaning that what she really is, is good at desk. Jennifer Weiner, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. That's a lot less fun. But, <laughs> but, but on it, my, my mom would have been a lot happier probably with that title. I understand. Oh. You know? I understand. So uh, you came to Philadelphia as a journalist. Came as a journalist. Uh, and you published your first novel in 2001. 2001. Which was like uh, many first novels, uh -huh. uh, autobiographical. A little bit, yeah. So if you write an autobiographical novel called Good in Bed, mm -hmm. aren't you bragging a little? Everybody says that like the happiest day of your life is when you get to go tell your parents that someone is publishing your book. Right. And I'm sure this is true for every author who did not call their book Good in Bed yeah. and has to go tell mom. And my mother, who had been incredibly dismissive when I was writing, you know, every time I said, I'm working on my novel, she'd say, oh, yes, the novel, like, like that kind of thing. Yes. So she didn't believe me. And, and so I got to go home and I said, you know, Simon and Schuster is publishing that novel. And, and she, she started to cry and she gave me this hug and, and we had this moment. And, and then she sort of draws back a little and says, what's it called? So I say, good in bed. And she says, what? And I say, good in bed. She says, good and bad. And I say, no, <laughs> not, not that. I said, it's good in bed, mom. And she sort of draws back and she says, Jenny, how much research did you do? Uh, <laughs> as an autobiographical novel, though, did you include uh, identifiable details about people you knew and I, had grown up with and perhaps who had mothered you? Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, my, my mom had been married to my dad at one point, and then they got divorced, and then about 10 years after that happened, my mom fell in love with a woman. Um, you know, and we were, me and the, my siblings, we were shocked by this and hadn't seen it coming, and she was like softball, and I'd be like, that, that is a stereotype, but you know. <laughs> so what was, what was it like? I mean, usually we ask people, uh -huh. what was it like to come out to your parents? What uh -huh. was it like for your mom to come out to you? It was weird, What'd she man. say? I, well, I mean, she didn't tell us, right? She so showed you. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Does my she know that you know this, or is this the first she's going to hear of this? No, no, no. Did, she, it's, did it's, she just like pull up in a new car and you were like, Mom, a Subaru? I didn't expect that. <laughs> so what happened was, what happened was, my, my youngest brother, Joe, went home to do his laundry and calls me at work at the Philadelphia Inquirer and says, there's a woman living in the house. There's, there's shoes and they're not Fran's shoes and there's clothes and it's not Fran's clothes. And then he said, and I was in mom's bathroom looking for toenail clippers and I found all these love letters signed Karen. So the first thing I do is buy Joe toenail clippers. So right. we're gonna, this is never, this going is to never gonna again. happen again. You know, and then like I'm the reporter and also the oldest, so this is now my job. So I call my mother up and I said, you know, anything new? And she says, no. And I say, I wanted to give her the chance, yeah. right, to, to come clean. 
And then she says, there's nothing new. And I say, Joe says there's a woman living in the house. And there's this pause. And then she says, that's my swim coach. Oh my God. See now, I should have known then, right? Yeah. Did, did but you, but did, I was just like, Fran, you know, you're 54 and it's not an Olympic year. So like, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and, then, and then she says, you know, that's, that's Karen and she's the aquatics director at the West Hartford JCC. And uh, we're in love, we've, we've had two dates and she's moved in, bye. Like, she literally said, we're in love, goodbye. Uh, we're, we're, in, we're in love, you know, see you for Passover right. kind, of, kind of thing. It's, 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 and you wow. said to yourself. That night will be different from all other nights. It's yeah. true. <laughs> Boy. It's a kind of an act of hubris to write a novel, any novel. Mm -hmm. Had you always wanted to be a novelist? I always had, but what I discovered when I got out of college is you can't like go apply for a job. Like there's no like classified ad, like novelist wanted. Right. And I had to go get a job and I got a um, newspaper job in State College, Pennsylvania. That, mm. yes, yes, Penn State, Penn State in the house. And I, I had, you know, great pretensions at, at my craft and my, my art and my yeah. fiction. And, one of the first assignments that they gave me was I had to type school lunch menus for five local school districts. Really? So I'm sitting wow. there, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, hot dog in bun, you know, milk, yes. white or chocolate. I mean, it, it knocked the pretension out of me real, real fast. Uh, your latest novel, Mrs. Everything, yes. uh, is about your mother. Well, it's loosely inspired. Loosely. Right. Yeah. It's loosely inspired. A little, a little, more, a little more thickly veiled this yes, time. Little, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. a woman who's gay and who's, who grows up at a time when that is totally not allowed. Exactly. And I, I was reading, it's really gripping and interesting. Um, and there's a sex scene pretty early on. I know. <laughs> what, was, what was it like to write a sex scene involving oh, it was horrible. your mother? Horrible. Was it? Horrible. It was, I, I just had to sort of pretend that she was never, ever going to read this and that I was never, ever going to see her again. Right. We were never, ever going to meet. And she would somehow be like hit on the head and forget my name or the very mm -hmm. fact of my existence. Has she in fact read it? Uh, yeah. And what did she have to say? She said, my daughter has a very vivid imagination. Which I guess I do. I'm going for another swim lesson. Right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Jennifer Weiner, we are delighted to have you here. But now it is time to play a game that we're calling... Weiner? Meet a whiner. <laughs> it is the best ever time not to be named whiner, but to be a whiner with so many places you can leave complaints. We're going to ask you three <laughs> questions about negative reviews we found on TripAdvisor. In particular, <laughs> reviews written by frequent TripAdvisor reviewer, my own father, Matthew Sagel. Oh! <laughs> so we're going to ask you. So we're going to ask you three questions about reviews left by my father, yes. Matthew Sagel. Yes. Get two right, you win our prize for mm -hmm. one of our listeners, my father criticizing the size of your portions on your voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, who is Jennifer Weiner playing for? Lynn and Diego Warshawski, who are celebrating their 25th anniversary oh. here today. Hey! Oh, nice. Don't let them down. So here's your first question. What did my father, uh -huh. Matthew Sagel, say uh -huh. about an Italian restaurant in Salem, Massachusetts? A, quote, <laughs> I was disappointed to find the bread basket did not have those crunchy breadsticks. I like them. <laughs> B quote, I have little patience for excuses which we got, like very busy tonight, I didn't notice a busy night discount. Or C quote, despite what the waiter might tell you, pizza bagels are Italian food and they should serve them. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm 
I'm going to say he said all three of those no, things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to pick one. You have to pick one, yeah. Mm. There's like a, an attempt at a joke embedded in one, which is what I could see Peter F- Sagel's father making. All right. So it sounds like he was trying to be funny. Yeah, where's the late people discount? That's the one, of all course. All right, yeah. okay. Here's your next question. There's another Italian restaurant that's got a bad review in Sarasota, Florida. What mm. did my father... <laughs> say about their ambiance. A, you don't get that warm feeling that they are glad you are there. It's more like, I wish all these people would go away so I can go home. B, I think those Chianti bottles with candles in them are nice and I don't know why they don't have a few. Or C, just so you know, the picture above the bar supposedly of Rome is really of Naples and they should know that. Oh. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it was the mural one. The mural was. was you like that? The audience likes that. <laughs> oh, it was no. actually the first one. Oh, you guys they didn't get the feeling they didn't make it feel welcome. Them. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Mm. Right. He needs to go to the well. Olive Garden when you're right? there. Your family. Your family, yeah. and they have the oh, breadsticks. Geez. All right, here's your last question. Okay. Get this one out. You win. Right. As part of a yes. pretty negative review of a Massachusetts seafood restaurant, what did the reviewer, my father, say? <laughs> <laughs> Say to the server, Lorna. He sent her a message in the review. Was it A, to Lorna, I won't send you the bill for the shirt you spilled sauce on because I probably would have done it myself soon anyway. Mm. B, Lorna, just so you know, when I asked you to write down the specials, it's not because I'm annoying, it's because I'm hard of hearing. Or C, add a girl, Lorna, you should be working in a place that deserves you. Oh, wow. Um, geez. I, I'm going to say he said something nice to the waitress. You are exactly right. Aww. Because that's my kind of guy yes. my father is. Aww. Bill, how did Jennifer do in this quiz? She is so interesting, we're going to give her two out of three and a win. Congratulations, Jennifer. Jennifer Weiner's new book is Mrs. Everything. You should read it, especially if you are her mom. <laughs> Jennifer Weiner, thank you so much for being here on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What a pleasure. Jennifer Weiner, everybody. In just a minute, we put on another pot of coffee in our Listener Limerick Challenge game called one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from The Economist, a weekly magazine offering insight and opinion on international and U.S. news, as well as economics, politics, business, finance, science, and technology. There's something for everyone in The Economist, like the recent article, The Promise and Problems of Cities, where an archaeologist explores the enduring appeal of urban life. The Economist is offering listeners a free print copy. For your free print copy, just text WAIT, W-A-I-T, to 99000. There's more to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time. Listen and subscribe to NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Paula Poundstone, Luke Burbank, and Faith Saley. And here again is your host... At the man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much. 
In just a minute, my father gives Bill Curtis's performance five stars in our listener limerick town. <laughs> if you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Paula, a new startup in Canada is the first ever to provide marijuana specially formulated for whom? Toddlers. No. <laughs> <laughs> well. No, give me a hint, Peter. I got it. I got it. Just give me one hint, and I'm on it. Well, you can lead one to water, and it's definitely gonna want to oh, take a drink wow. because it has terrible cotton mouth. It's for for horses. For horses. Why? Why not? For the first time in history, we're finally going to hear the words, "Oh my God!" You know, it would be so good right now. Oats. <laughs> a company called Canna Horse is making weed products for horses. Even though there's nothing worse than like a white horse who thinks dreads in its mane are okay. <laughs> the, the people at Canna Horse say this is for medicinal purposes, but then again, that's what your 22-year-old cousin with glaucoma says. <laughs> Horses everywhere hear this news and they're like, "Great." Great, could have used this the day you nailed my shoes on. Is, is this making them high? How can you tell? <laughs> uh, here's how I you know. I gave it some pot, it's standing yeah. there, it's just chewing grass, no. I don't know. Here's how you know. You show up at a kid's birthday party and the pony is talking about how weird hooves are. Yeah. And <laughs> Kubrick like, movies. Anyway, I'm really excited for the Kentucky Derby to take four days next year. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a problem, of course, with giving horses weed every time something blows their mind and they go, whoa, they stop. <laughs> it just doesn't seem it right. Does, it does you seem know what weird I mean? that like horses would be the last animals we want to make into slackers. Yeah. Let's go for a ride. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, I just have this image of all these high horses standing around at merry-go-round just being like, whoa. <laughs> You know, when I was a kid, my mother would say, you get off your high horse. I would think to myself, <laughs> you know, I would think to myself, what the hell is a high horse? Now yeah. you know. You know Man, you she know. was ahead yeah. of her my time. Mother, my mother was uh, Nostradamus. Yeah. <laughs> Paula, we all know seals can do neat things like balance a ball and clap their fins, but this week we learned that scientists in Scotland have been hard at work teaching seals how to do what? And this, given the healthcare crisis and the crisis at the border and the crisis in our democracy, um, is a huge breakthrough. Uh, they can sing rock and roll songs, I think. They can sing, yes, yeah. very good. Yeah, so this is well, this is science time, well used. What person on the planet will not benefit from this? Are the seals, do we know what music? Yes, we do. Oh, tell so us. So researchers in Scotland worked with Zola, the seal. I love here. Zola. <laughs> no, I have like three Zola albums. And uh, uh, Jacques, and what are the other ones? Uh, uh, one of them is I Just Don't Care Anymore. That's one. I love that. And then uh, there's a rap one. <laughs> it's Kendrick Lamar so what it, and a yeah. seal. What did Zola learn? Sorry. Zola learned Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and the Star Wars theme song, proving seals would do literally anything for a fish, including selling out and doing covers. But it's pretty amazing. <laughs> so this, she, they taught her the theme to Star Wars, and we want to show you. So first, of course, this is the real theme to Star Wars. That seal is it, good. it brings back the thrill of hearing it for the first time. Do you really think a, a public radio crowd needed you to remind them the theme to Star Wars? <laughs> anyway, 
So that was the real one, obviously. Here is Zola the Singing Seal. It's exactly the same. Oh, yeah. That was a seal this named Zola. This cost literally millions of fish. Oh. <laughs> to get that. Yeah, you know what? What? The only possible way that this uh, experiment or training or whatever you want to call it, this project, could have any value at all if they, is if they taught it the Jaws theme. <laughs> <laughs> so that when you're in the water and a you know, great white was coming up near you, you know, wah, wah. And then you would know, you know, let's get out of here. And the other seals would be like, what was that? Was that like a teacher from a Peanuts cartoon? What was that? Coming up, it's lightning fell in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. Wait, wait, that's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Or click the contact us link on our website. That's waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows back at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming shows in Newark, New Jersey on September 12th and our show July 18th at the beautiful Blossom Music Center just outside of Cleveland, located within Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, my name is Candace. I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. Hey, Norfolk, Virginia. Do you call it Norfolk? I always sort of like Norfolk. Norfolk. Um, a lot of the locals call it Norfolk. So you're not from Norfolk originally? Uh, no, I was raised in Florida. Do you ever miss Florida? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you are from there. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Candace. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? I am ready. All right, here's your first limerick. My stomach I like to keep flat, so it's coffee I drink by the vat. I've recently learned it gets calories burned with a heat-making brown kind of... Fat! Yes, fat! There you go. New research has found that drinking coffee can stimulate a substance in the body known as brown fat, which is not the stuff left over in the pan after you make bacon, but rather cells that produce heat that then burn off the other kind of fat that you get from eating all the bacon. So the idea is that coffee helps you lose weight. This cannot be true, because if it were, I would have vanished decades ago. (laughs) On the other hand, won't it be fun if coffee becomes the new health drink? It'll be great when it replaces Gatorade and the team wins the big game and dumps a big urn of hot coffee on the coach. (laughs) All right, here is your next limit. In their enclave, the real ones are crying. We can see the young fella is trying. But his costume is poor, and he's got a weak roar. So he doesn't seem much like a... Lion. Yes, a lion. You're good, Candace. An employee at a zoo in Japan finally got the role of a lifetime (laughs) when he was asked to play the escaped lion during the zoo's emergency drill. You know, the same way every time your building has a fire drill, somebody has to play the fire. (laughs) So you have to find this on the internet. It is amazing. You'd think they'd choose like a convincing lion costume, but no, it's a guy 
and like he's playing the smiley lion in the school play. He's got this mascot costume on with a big plastic smiling lion head. He's walking around on two legs with a, you know, cheerfully waving at people, being a lion. Everyone on Twitter applauded the employee's job playing the lion, except of course for the zoo's real lions who called his performance derivative and unrealistic. <laughs> you know who had crushed at that gig? Gritty. That's true. <laughs> Here is your last limit. Our athletes are strong till the finish. Like Popeye, their strength won't diminish. A dark leafy green makes them tough, mean, and lean. Yes, our doping entails eating... Spinach. Yes, yeah, spinach. Very good. Performance-enhancing drugs, along with unflattering shorts, has been a long-standing problem in professional sports. <laughs> and every year, new drugs are added to the list of banned substances. Well, German scientists are suggesting spinach should be added to the prohibited list, presumably because the scientists are a team of seven-year-olds. <laughs> They've also banned broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and cooties. <laughs> so it's not... It's not a chem it's spinach. It's spinach. not like spinach is found in some other drug. It's no, it's actually, actually there's, there's a chemical similar to a steroid naturally found in spinach. Oh. And it's so effective, scientists merely exposed to the chemical compound were able to suddenly bench press five pounds. <laughs> so Popeye was a documentary? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well, there was, that, there was that scene that I don't, didn't understand when I was a kid where Bluto makes him pee in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Candace do in our quiz? She did three of those. Good, Candace. All right. Thank you so much for playing. Take care, Candace. Bye-bye. Thank you. Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Imagine how it feels to have an award-winning team of mortgage experts make the home buying process smoother for you. With a history of industry-leading online lending technology, Rocket Mortgage is changing the game. Visit rocketmortgage.com slash wait, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, mnlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button. Get Mortgage. Support also comes from Odoo. Odoo is a management software that covers all your business needs in a one-stop solution. Odoo apps are perfectly integrated to each other, allowing you to fully automate your business processes. Want to boost your business? Check out Odoo's new business game, Scale Up. It's fun, it's smart, and Odoo offers it for free, shipping included. Use promo code WAIT on odoo.com slash scaleup. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Paula and Faith each have two, and Luke has three. We have flipped a coin. Faith has elected to go first. Here we go. The clock will start when they begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, Special Counsel Blank agreed to publicly testify to Congress in July. Robert Mueller. Yes. On Monday, the White House announced a new round of sanctions against Blank. Oh, Iran. Right. This week, the House Oversight Committee approved a subpoena for White House Counselor Blank. Kellyanne Conway. Right. Following a decision from the Supreme Court regarding a citizenship question, Trump threatened to delay the blank. Census. Yes. After a cashier at a Houston Subway sandwich shop wouldn't give two robbers all the money in the register, the thieves made off with blank. Uh, feet-long sandwiches. No, one stolen cookie. On Tuesday, San Francisco <laughs> voted to ban the sale of blanks. Oh, e-cigarettes. Right. Following a harrowing ordeal, 
A British couple is free after being held hostage for six days by a gang of blank. Uh, d- um, dormice. No, seagulls. <laughs> wow. After the pair of seagulls nested on the couple's roof, they became so territorial that any time the homeowners tried to leave, the birds would attack them until they went back inside. <laughs> the couple contacted local officials, but wildlife laws mean the gulls are protected and unable to be moved. In addition, the law states that the birds have the right to rummage through the couple's fridge and get to choose what the four of them watch on Netflix every night. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Faith do in our quiz? I thought she did quite well. Pretty good. Five right, ten more points, Ooh. and a total of 12 puts her in the lead. Paula, you're up next. Fill in the blank. This week, John Sanders, the acting commissioner of blank, announced plans to step down. Uh, I don't know, the Border Patrol. Right. This week, Senator Bernie Sanders proposed a plan to eliminate all $1.6 trillion of blank. College debt. Yes. On Thursday, former Trump campaign chair blank pled not guilty to fraud charges in New York. Manafort. Right. This week, Japan's high-speed rail system suffered significant delays across the country thanks to blank. Slugs. Yes, a single slug, in fact, on the tracks. On Tuesday, gun lobbying group Blank severed ties with their PR firm and halted operation of their TV network. The NRA. Right. A fisherman in Michigan got more than he bargained for when he caught fish that had blank attached to it. A fish that had his wedding ring. A fish that had a wedding ring, which is very good. It wasn't his, but yes. Oh, I thought it was his. It was originally a mystery why the steelhead trout had a wedding ring tied to it. It turns out the ring belonged to another fisherman who was looking for a poetic way to celebrate his divorce. Unfortunately, it's true. (laughs) Unfortunately, thanks to maritime law, the man who found it is now obligated to marry the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, how did Paula do? I think she did really well. Six right, 12 more points, 14 and the lead. Whoa! (laughs) How many did Luke Burbank need to win? He needs six to win. We'll count them out together. All right, here we go, Luke. The time that I should have been reading the news this week, I was looking for the best vegetarian cheesesteak in Philadelphia. And I found it, and it was delicious. It left me very little time, though, for reading the news. I, I understand. I just want to say that in advance. All right. Here we go, Luke. This is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, it was announced that Melania Trump's spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham, would become the next blank. Uh, White House spokesperson. Right. On Monday, the state of Oklahoma filed suit against Johnson & Johnson for its part in the blank crisis. Uh, smallpox crisis. No, the opioid crisis. This week, a 10th American tourist died while on vacation in blank. Uh, the Dominican Republic. Right. A Catholic bishop in Colombia announced that there is so much evil in his town that he plans to blank. Move to Las Vegas. No, plans to dump gallons of holy water on it from a helicopter. <laughs> on Tuesday, <laughs> Illinois became the 11th state to legalize the sales of recreational blank. Cannabis. Right. After a woman bought a jar of relish at a British grocery store with the expiration date of 20140, a British supermarket explained blank. That she should have gone to Wawa. No. That they were. <laughs> you suck up. <laughs> no, they explained that they happened to be using the ancient Roman calendar for their expiration dates. <laughs> the supermarket shopper couldn't make sense of the bizarre five digit expiration date on her jar of relish, and the store happily explained they were simply using the Julian calendar, which was developed by Julius Caesar and hasn't been used in 500 years. No one knows why they're using that system, but I'd start by asking that one guy in the stock room wearing a toga. <laughs> Bill, did Luke do well enough to win? He got three, oh six boy. more Ouch. points, total of nine, but he couldn't catch Paula. Paula, Paula, the win. Paula! In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict who's going to throw their hat into the presidential ring now that they've seen 
all the competition. But first, let me tell you, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord, Philip Godica writes our limericks, our public address announcer is Paul Friedman, our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran, our interns are Panita Beattie and Lila Francis, our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Liederman composed our theme, our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Our personal gritty is Peter Gwynn. Technical <laughs> direction is Melorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Chimchimchiri Danforth. Now panel, who saw the competition this week and decided what the heck they should run for president? Luke Burbank. The only candidate that can reach that elusive youth vote. Two Olsen twins on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. Faith Saley. Dora the Explorer, although she has to brush up on her Spanish. <laughs> Paula Poundstone. The Flex Seal guy on late night television. It's all, it's all about the branding. He, he, he doesn't even want to win. He's just doing it to sell more Flex Seal. Well, if any of that happens, we're going to ask you about it right here on Wait, Wait. Don't tell me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Luke Burbank, Faith Saley, and Paula Poundstone. Thanks to Josh Grassi and the Hilton at Penn's Landing. Thanks to Toby Blumenthal, Debbie Lobel, and the staff and crew at the Mann Center of the Performing Arts. Thanks to everyone at HYY. Thanks to all of you here in the beautiful Mann Center for the Performing Arts. It's great to see you. Thanks, y'all, for listening at home. I'm Peter Sagal. We will see you next week. This is NPR.